You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to another episode of LFL Talk Extra with me, Adri Mallows. Now, recently on LFL Talk, you would have heard myself and Marcus talk about some real pioneers of the Legends Football League, including Danica Brace and Jessica Hopkins. Now, it's my great honour to say that I am joined by yet another one of the pioneers, and that is Monique Gaxiola of the Los Angeles Temptation. Welcome to the show, Monique. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. It's great to have uh, a true legend of the game on the uh, on the show. Now, Mo, this is your um, fifth season in the league. Um, you've been there since its modern inception uh, back in 2009. But can you please advise our listeners what you were doing prior to joining the league and what subsequently inspired you to start playing? I actually played soccer growing up and I played in college. And so as soon as I was done, there was open tryouts during uh, during 2009. It was back in, I think, March. And that's when it was still forming from the halftime Super Bowl show to, a, to the league, what it is now. And um, I guess it was just something different. You know, at first they were looking for girls that were just had a pretty face and wanted to learn how to play football. So it was kind of the best of both worlds when I first heard about it. But when I came to tryouts, when I first walked out, I saw it like these girls are a joke. But again, I was there when it was still making that transition from being just models to being athletes that are good looking and know what they're doing and how to play. So for me, it was a challenge. You know, um, I was already the athlete, but in a sense, I didn't have that model type and I wasn't used to wearing all this makeup, you know as I was playing. So it was, it was a bit different. So that's kind of what drew me to want to play. I guess the inspiration came as, you know, the years went on. I saw that this league could be something special and I wanted to be a part of it. And I saw, you know, the people that I was inspiring and motivating as, you know, the first in season went, went on, you know, I didn't realize how much of an impact we had on women and, you know, how much, you know, people do look up to us. So um, that's kind of how that started with me and so for your first three uh, seasons for uh, Los Angeles you were playing under coach Bizzup what was that like Biz was a character you know again when he first started it was what he was used to it was just pretty women trying to play football and run around you know so that's what he was used to so the first season that's that's something that I had to not deal with but kind of just accept him as a coach but as second and third season came along he realized that we're women we're athletes and people respect that and so his mindset began to change as a coach that he realized that he needed to start picking up these athletes and so playing for him was a bit of a roller coaster you know he's captain chaos but for the most part he's one of the main people that have been here since day one with mitch and um he helped pretty much create the rules you know so he knew in a sense the ins and outs of the game but honestly if we didn't perform out in the field we weren't going to win any games so it was interesting playing for him and i mean i learned i learned a little bit um i learned a lot about myself um playing for somebody like biz but uh Nonetheless, you know, he he led us through championship, and I'm very grateful for that and to be a part of that. Yeah, so do you think that um, perhaps his new mentality towards the sport was a, a big factor in, in yourselves, Los Angeles, winning those three championships back-to-back? Absolutely. Um, after the first season, we, uh, like I said, the girls that started to come out and it started to attract were athletes. But we still had that sense of, well, some of these girls might be a little bit too muscular. And so um, I think... 
that started to change as second season went on. Um, if the sport was going to grow and it was going to become a sport, that's the direction that we had to take. And so as a coach for biz, he realized, well, you know, if I want to continue winning, I've got to pick up some athletes. And so um, it definitely helped change uh, what the sport is today from what it started. And, you know, having a coach like Biz, you know, he realized that. And we brought on the players that we needed to. And as second and third season went on, you know, we just continued to produce athletes. And, you know, he helped lead us to three championships. And so after Coach Biz left after the, the third season, obviously you had a transitional year under Coach Chan last year. Do you think that was maybe a factor in, in yourselves not making it to the championship game last year? No, absolutely not. Uh, Eddie Chan has also been with us since 2009. He was part of Biz's coaching staff. Um, and even the coaches that we have now, they've been, all three of them have been um, our coaches since 2009, since I've been there. Um, now they have bigger roles because uh, obviously Eddie Chan is our is our head coach. But um, ultimately last season, it was due to injuries. And I hate to blame it on that, but um, we lost four key players and starters in crucial games. Two starters against Seattle, which we lost here in L.A., which caused us to have to play that extra round in the playoffs that you know they don't have this year, but we had last year. And so when we went into the playoffs against Chicago – we lost another two key players. So ultimately losing four starters to a 14-man roster is it's going to have some kind of effect on, you know, our play out there. So we did what we could, and each game was very close. It wasn't like it was a slaughter. And I think we have a lot to prove this season, and we're getting that chance back. You know, we're um, in the playoffs against Chicago. Uh, our team is completely healthy, whereas going into last season, it wasn't so much. So um, I think, like I said, we have a lot to prove, and we're – we're hungry and we're ready for Chicago come Saturday. So obviously without giving too much away, because I know obviously there's a lot of game planning that goes into it, but uh, now that being two back-to-back defeats to Chicago, how do you beat them? Is it just a case of having the key players return or are there some other little tweaks that you can make to to ensure that you beat them? There's tweaks. Playing them this, this past season, it was an extremely close game. It was a matter of not having the proper calls on offense when needed to be, which was just kind of a mental error that we've all accepted and the coaching staff has. Watching game film, it wasn't necessarily Chicago beat us. It was a matter of time running out, to be quite honest. And But if you don't score within the time, then, you know, it is what it is. But going into Saturday's game, we all know. We stopped Christelle, Heather to pass the ball. And we all know that, you know, Heather doesn't have the greatest arm. She, make play, she makes plays and she makes things happen. But ultimately, their running game is their biggest key. And I think a lot of that in the LFL in general, which... Now that I start to, you know, just overlook the teams in the years, a lot of people have a running game. You don't have a quarterback like Ashley Solano, I'm sorry to say. And there's very few that are up and coming that have the potential. But playing for somebody like Ashley for four seasons and having to defend that at practice all the time and not seeing that caliber of quarterback out there on other teams. I mean, you force those quarterbacks to throw because, again, we all know everybody has a running game to a certain extent then you ultimately shut that team down. And that's exactly what we did to Seattle. You know, their big star court or running back that they have from Canada, I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, yeah, shut Steve her Schnell. down. Ashley, yeah, Ashley put her on her back one play, and she didn't do much that game. We stopped their running game. We forced them to pass, and they have no passing game. So you do the same thing to Chicago. You stop their running game. You force Heather to pass. And that's what we want. So that's pretty much all we have to do. Yeah, I, I, that's an excellent point. And I think actually having the addition of Solano back there at free safety does seem to make a, a massive difference to the LA defense, I think. 
Yeah, she plays very fearless. Um, she's an intense player, and you really don't get to see. I mean, you do a little bit at uh, at quarterback. You know, she'll lay a hit, but when she gets to play defense, it's a it's a different Salerno. She's like I said, she's fearless. Um, she doesn't care how big you are. You know, um, whatever your stats may be, she's gonna go out there and and knock you the f- out basically. And I hate to cuss, but I apologize. It does. It helps out a lot. Now, do we want our starting quarterback at safety? Mm, you're taking a risk with that. But, you know, the best athlete's going to play at whatever position we need. And right now, you know, Salerno's uh, our, you know, our starting uh, strong safety, our weak safety, or free safety, whatever. All three of those. <laughs> Don't want to give anything away, but she's our safety, okay? <laughs> no worries, no worries. I completely understand that. Now, I know we're obviously a bit short of time, but I just want to come on to your season for the New South Wales Surge last year and what mm-hmm. your experiences were of going to Australia and, and playing this great sport in another country and being a part of the inaugural season. What were your thoughts of that? It was another learning experience. It was very interesting to see their style of coaching, the way Australia understands the game of football. A lot of the women and even men didn't grow up like we did here in the States, watching the NFL or necessarily understanding the game, not saying that they don't, but there were certain things that, you know, I may not have agreed with, but because of based off of what I learned growing up and learned here, I just tried to let them take over and whatever it is that they felt was the right way to do things. I was on board with it. And there was times where, I mean, we I never really argued, but, you know, I did have a point to say or things that I felt that needed to be changed. But if you know, the coaches didn't agree with it, then that's all. I, you know, I left that. I, I really had to check my ego out the door, and that's what I did. But it was an amazing experience. It was the first time that I ever um, got to go overseas, period, let alone even live three months over there. So it was an opportunity to learn about myself as an athlete and as an individual, and it was a great experience. I wish I could go back, but to be quiet, you know, financially, it's uh, it's not in my best interest. Um, I wish it was, and I wish I could. And I have a lot of people asking, am I going back? But unfortunately, right now, you know, we all know that um, a lot of us have uh, full-time jobs. And it's really hard unless you're getting that going over there. It's hard to take that time off and kind of um, commit to that. So, But nonetheless, like I said, Australia was it was an awesome experience. And how about having to train up against Bonnie Gillespie uh, every week at training? What was that like? Because she isn't well, she without sounding disrespectful, she she runs like an animal. She is just phenomenal. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I know that. I know that for a fact. Danielle Harvey and myself, we went out there, I would say a year before the league started. Um, We took a trip out there and they were they were having tryouts. They had just had tryouts and we were able to train with them and kind of just show them how things are done here in the States. And, and and Bonnie was definitely somebody that Danielle and I both said, like, she's the it factor. She is what the LFL is. And for a while, she second-guessed and he- was, was very hesitant about the person that she was being this fireball, this energy, this whatever you, whatever Bonnie is, she was very hesitant to be that and be herself. And once I got there, I had to tell her, look, Bonnie, be yourself. The world is going to love you. I promise you. Don't hide. Don't pretend. Don't fake it. I don't give a wish what anybody tells you. I said, Mitch wants our personalities to show and he wants people to see that passion and fire. I said, and that's one thing that you don't have to ask of you that you already bring to the table. 
So I think once she started to break out of that shell again, she was able to play comfortably and be the person that she is. And so going to practice, like, it was rough. There was never a a 50% with her. There was never, oh, you know, let's walk through a play. She, again, another one that plays very fearless. And, you you know, I don't know if uh, you've ever seen her story, but, you know, she doesn't have um, one of her hands. She doesn't have, uh, you know, fingers. And so I think that's what, you know, kind of, again, was very hesitant with her and just trying to be herself. And, you know, are people going to like me? Are people going to accept me? And I'm like, Bonnie, people are going to love your story. As long as you're you and you're true to you and you play like that every down, you're going to be an inspiration to people all around the world. So I think after this season, it's really lifted her spirits and and, and she's she's an animal. She's a beast. Yeah, she really impressed us over here from everything we got to see. And um, like you say, the story they put on, uh, YouTube of basically the five minute story for her, which we'll put in the show notes as well, just so everyone can see um, how fantastic a player she is and, and everything she brings yeah. to the table. And so with the Australia season and, and also going on to win the inaugural Legends Cup there, what mm-hmm. would you say out of your four championships you've had the the honour of winning, which one would you say would be your favourite? The first one is always your favourite, you know, um, because everybody remembers that. But every championship has something that has been very extremely memorable every season. And I can't pick one. I mean, again, being the first to win it out there in Australia, that's always going to be something to remember. The three-peat, just that in and of itself to say that I've been a part of that, all those three are, are one to remember. So I really can't pick one if you ask me. Okay, that's that's completely fair enough. And just a couple last questions before we um, let you go. Of course, you're up for the hall. Well, you're um, nominated for the Hall of Fame this year alongside yes. Coach Bizzup, Heather Fur, and Mary Rose Roach. How does that feel to have that honor bestowed upon you, or even just to be nominated for the first Hall of Fame? It's one of the biggest honors you can ask for in any sport, you know. And going into this first season and tryouts and everything. I never thought it'd get to where it is today. I knew it had the potential, but it's just something that you don't, I don't know. It's humbling. When I saw, you know, the candidates, it's kind of like, oh, are you sure me, myself, like I'm, I'm part of this. So I think I'm still um, in awe about the fact that I'm even considered, I guess I don't see myself in the way other people view me. You know, to me, I'm just Mo, I do what I love. And if, I just so happen to inspire and motivate others while doing it. It shocks me. It's just like, well, that's just what I do on a daily or that's just what my interests are and what my passion is. But to be considered one of the you know Hall of Fame candidates, it's an extreme honor. Again, if you're the first to do you know whatever it is, people are always remember the first. And so whoever it may be, you know, I wish them nothing but the best. And, you know, if it is me, I hope I don't have to retire because I don't plan to because I know that's what the Hall of Fame is. <laughs> Ultimately, in any sport is when you, you know, get inducted to the Hall of Fame, it's because you've retired. So, I mean, I don't plan to retire anytime soon. But uh, again, whoever it may be, you know, it's it's well deserved all around. Well, firstly, that's great news for Los Angeles fans like myself that you're not planning to retire anytime soon. No. Um, no. And just finally, before you go, would you be able to uh, give three reasons to our listeners as to if they're not already watching it, why they should start watching the LFL on a regular basis? It's a damn good sport. We look good doing it. And why else? Because we're animals and we're athletes. I mean, that's pretty much bottom line. I, I, I couldn't give you 
three good reasons. Those are three great reasons, and I can go on and on with the list. But if you have yet to see a game, watch a game, and you don't need any reason, just it'll get you hooked. Excellent. Well, um, good luck on Saturday against um, Chicago Bliss in the championship game. And thank you very much for coming on the show today. All right. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And so that wraps up another episode of LFL Talk Extra. I would like to say once again a massive thank you to Monique Gaxiola for joining us on the show. Remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And don't forget, we are now available on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and our latest episodes are also available via 1800 online. A link to that network is also included on our page. So, before we go, just remains for me to say, join us next time on LFL Talk as we discuss the final points from both conference championship games and we look ahead to the big one, the LFL US Legends Cup Final. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by.